This sermon is brought to you today by the letters A for apocalypse and T for terrifying. (laughs) So for those of you who, on your way to church this morning, thought that this would be a good day to hear about the end times, today is your day. We've got a temple falling and wars, earthquakes, famines, and dreadful portents from heaven. You can thank the lectionary for that. But if, like me, you don't have very much bandwidth right now for biblical stressors, I've got you covered. We will certainly explore the gospel text and put the apocalyptic imagery in its historical context. But... If you only take one thing away from this sermon, I offer the following image. You know those signs in national parks with the picture of a bear that say, please don't feed the bears? Picture that, but change the letter B to the letter F. Please do not feed the fears. Today's apocalypse is about how not to feed our fear. Now, Jesus is at the temple in Jerusalem, and people are amazed at its beauty as they are talking about all the beautiful stones. To everyone's shock, Jesus predicts its destruction. Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. The crowd presses him about when this will happen, perhaps so that they can prepare emotionally, spiritually, maybe financially, in case they're going to need a building committee for a master plan and a capital campaign. (laughs) But what's really interesting, historically speaking, is that Luke's gospel was written some 10 or 20 years after the Romans destroyed the temple, which means that Jesus is successfully predicting the future here. His message sounds like a correct prophecy, But it's also a message to comfort and to give hope and encouragement to those on the other side of disaster, on the side of any disaster, really. Now, there are a few more terrifying details to mention before we get to that hope and the comfort. Jesus adds that other awful things are going to happen. There will be false prophets, wars, and insurrections. Nations rising against nation, natural disasters, persecutions, even betrayals by family and friends. It will look like the end times. Scholars suggest that Jesus is describing not a particular future here, but how the world works in general. There are disasters. We see them every time we turn on the news. When you hear of these things, Jesus says, do not be terrified. It's a pretty standard move for him, as you'll recall. He has a tendency to offer a word of peace in the roughest of times. When his friends are scared in a storm or in a locked room, or whenever the people around him are worried about the directions things seem to be going. Peace be with you, he says. Do not be terrified. Please do not feed the fears. That is not his only message in this passage. He also says that whatever cataclysmic events are coming, they will provide the opportunity for you to testify. 
Now this is an odd thing to say. We usually think of testifying as something we do when a prayer has been answered or a life saved in some way. We don't think of everything falling apart as the time for testimony. Yet Jesus is clear that that is precisely when to give an account of your faith. And what is our faith to which we testify? In the words of the letter to the Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. As followers of Jesus, we are called to hope in God's abiding presence and love, to hope in resurrected life, to have hope for the lost and the least, and to hope in the coming kingdom of heaven and our citizenship there. Jesus calls us to testify to that hope. When everything is falling apart, how will you tell the story of your hope, hope in something greater than what we see in this present time? Just like those who lost their temple, we are sometimes shaken. Think awful things do happen, and the world needs our hope no matter what befalls. That's the call that comes from any good biblical apocalypse. They are not meant to scare us, to make us bold in our hope. There is a gift in this kind of apocalyptic thinking, according to the late preacher Fred Craddock. He said it this way, Such thinking should keep our our souls athletic, trim, free of the weight of the excessive and the useless. Such thinking should aid us in keeping gains and losses in perspective, holding them in our hearts, knowing that God's provision is still with us. Such thinking should chase away the demons and cheer us with the news not only that today is a gift of God, but also that in some tomorrow we will stand in the presence of Christ himself. Hope in the bigger picture is always more powerful than fear in the present moment. So if, by chance, you ever get anxious about the future, today's gospel is for you. If you ever get stuck in a kind of worry loop about your own life, or about our community, nation, planet, Jesus' message is for you too. His divine word of peace has the power to cut through our spinning thoughts and remind us of God's faithful presence with us. And God waits for our response. Will we be faithful in return? Will we testify to our hope? Things can and do get rough, We all know that. Sometimes, on the lighter end, there might be an unplanned encounter with a hungry bear in a national park. Other times, grand temples fall. But whenever disaster strikes, or whatever worry, whenever we worry that it will, the false god of fear shows up and wants our allegiance. Fear wants to be fed, it wants to be in charge but we get to choose. The prophet Joshua once spoke to Israel with these words, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
The choice is ours, to serve our fear or to serve a steadfast God. And from time to time, an apocalypse is a powerfully good reminder not to feed the fears. Amen.